like to welcome you to Havana, Cuba, where the local time is 1.29 p.m. For your safety and the safety of those around you, please remain seated with your seatbelt securely fastened and all carrying items stowed until the aircraft is parked at the gate and the captain has turned off the seatbelt sign. Please remember to claim all baggage after clearing immigration and before clearing customs. Connecting baggage will not be transferred for you. Please have your documents and immigration cards ready to present to the customs officials. After clearing customs, and the United Airlines representative will be available in the baggage claim office for any questions concerning transfer of check bags. On behalf of United the Starlines Network and your entire Newark, New Jersey-based flight crew, thank you for flying the friendly skies with us today. We do hope you had a pleasant experience and look forward to serving you again on another United flight. And once again, welcome to Havana or wherever your final destination may take you. That was the last international flight I took, way back at the beginning of February, from New York City nonstop to Havana, Cuba. Let me tell you a quick story about Cuba and about money and music. Some years back, a credit card company gave a tidy sum of cash to Roads and Kingdoms in exchange for having Anthony Bourdain do a couple Q&As with me and Matt Goulding at their branded pop-up at South by Southwest. Now, Tony always had something of a pirate mentality toward cash. The idea is to get corporations to pay for something fun, if at all possible. So, we paid down a few debts, but then took the rest of the money, and we flew a bunch of musicians, Cuba's best musicians, actually, to Austin for South by Southwest's first-ever Cuban music showcase. It was a dream for me especially. I had lived in Cuba for a while in 1999, I even played saxophone for socialist tour groups with a Cuban band called El Seteto Tipico. But the star power of those musicians who took the stage in Austin that week is beyond anything I had seen up close. Kelvis Ochoa, the legendary singer who cooked for Tony on his Cuba episode of Parts Unknown. Jesse Garcia, the percussion phenom. Daime Arosena, the Afro-Cuban supernova. And also, the woman I'm talking to for this episode, Helmari, the velvet-voiced icon of Cuban hip-hop. Having traveled to Cuba for this podcast also feels a little unreal, a little dreamlike, especially from this vantage point now in a world without travel. But it did happen. I did sit with Telmari, who was fighting a cold but still managed to drink rum deeply and talk beautifully about the past and future of Cuban music. This is the first of five episodes from Cuba, and for me, all those conversations are like little scribbled notes from a better planet, tucked away for rainy days like these. This is Nathan Thornburg, and from Roads and Kingdoms, you're listening to The Trip, drinking with exceptional people around the world. You had wanted to drink Santiago. Tell me about what we're drinking here. Uh, We're drinking here, for me, one of the most... Uh, tasteful um, rum uh, made it in Cuba at this moment. Uh, I was very, you know, glad to visit um, the factory in Santiago de Cuba, which is the old Bacardi factory, but they kept, you know, the the containers where they age rum. Okay. Um, and so, this is Santiago de Cuba, all the way on the other side of the island. Yeah, the all the eastern way to the other side point. of the island. And uh, I learned there that uh, the rum in Cuba 
the taste and the sweetness depends in which area the sugar cane grows. Really? So yes. It's got so, a different flavor from uh, Pinar del Rio from in Pinar the del West. Rio, I mean, it, it's divided by three regiones. Yeah, three, regions. Three, yeah. Exactly. It's occidental, uh -huh. center, and oriente. So occidente, central, y oriente. And there's something about the eastern sugar cane that just is sweeter? So the, uh, it rains less, so the sugar cane is sweeter than the other, the rest of the island. Really? So if you, from the, from, uh, from the, the west part, the rum is going to be drier, the taste is going right. to be drier than sweeter. Yeah. So if you drink the rum that is... Um, is uh, made it in in the western part of of Cuba. The rum is gonna be sweeter. Of course, I'm I love <clears throat> I love uh, sweet. Okay. So Santiago rum is the sweetest rum that you can find in the island. It's almost like it's like wine in dry places, right? Where they always say the fruit gets a little sweeter because they have to concentrate. Exactly. Oh, so now you found that easternmost sweet rum. I mean, it's super good. And it's, it's funny, it's like, it's like a new fever here in Havana because the last time I was here, everybody's still drinking Seleccion de Maestro. Maestro, Havana Club, which mm. is, you know, like uh, they've been, you know. But uh, let me tell you that Santiago is, uh, is, uh, is new because they start to commercialize, mm. you know, later. And suddenly it hits all the key ones like, wow, this is really good. And... Uh, it's funny because this is a rum that it was uh, made in Santiago de Cuba, so it was very cheap and very accessible at some point. And right now, it's it's, it's getting a little bit more, you know, a little uh -oh. bit more expensive. Yeah. Because it's now like a, you know. This a, is I know I'm I am now part of the problem. I just went and bought three bottles. Of no, this I know. And because they said Telmari wants to drink this, I was like, oh shit, this is what I'm taking back home. Then. <laughs> yeah, she well, knows. I, I highly I highly recommend. When we open this bottle, you poured a little bit in the corner of this room where we're recording. Talk about the ritual and tradition of it. What was that for? What do you? So it's curious that you mention it because this is something that all key ones that we would do, and 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 we always say that when you open a bottle of rum, uh, you you should share with your ancestors, with your spirits. In in Yoruba language, we would call it uh, our egums. Eguns. and uh, and this is something that get me close to the to the Cuban rum is because I do I always do this ritual on the stage. So for me, in order to to clean the energy, to bring good energy to the stage, uh, in order to 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 call our ancestors, because we are performing and we are we are using bata drums which is right now very common that you find and you, you find it uh, as a part of a lineup in a concert but it used to be like a sac sacred that's something that you will use just in the in the yoruba and religious ceremonies and right now it's part of the you know percussion uh drums that we use uh, on the right <clears throat> on our shows so the first thing the first thing that i would do when i am on the stage is i open a bottle of rum i drop a little you know little, you know few drops on the floor and then i put it on my mouth and i just spread it around the the stage in mm. order to 
do this ceremony to clean the bad energies, to bring good energies and to communicate and connect with our ancestors. So that's why. That's amazing to me also because you're, you know, you have a modern musical career with publicists and managers and uh, record labels and amplifiers and sound engineers. It's all of these things that feel so distant from like a Yoruba culture, but you have the bata drums. You want to bring in a little bit of that spirituality into this modern uh, environment. So it's like your own personal mix of like what's spiritual, what's practical, what's commercial. I try to just, you know, um, bring all that, you know, together. And, uh, and, and I feel like it's a, it's a way for me to show respect, you know, to, to our ancestors, to our culture, especially because that's what I've been trying to do in, in, always in my career is trying to, I'm trying to, uh, to, to do a hip hop, you know, full of Cuban influence, to do something authentic, something that we don't need to take from another cultures. And, and for me, a better way to do that is trying to learn for the forms of improvisation that we have in our culture, in our music. So that's been like my obsession in the, in the last years and that's why you will feel and you will listen to those influence in my in my music is that you're trying to find something in the past of cuba that connects with the hip-hop music and the hip-hop culture that you have i mean you don't even have to borrow it from hip-hop culture exactly. hip-hop culture kind of borrowed it from here i don't like to do this kind of uh, of assumptions but uh I just discovered because my first trip in my life, I, I visit Brazil. I, I went there for for the for the Black August Festival. Um, Black August Festival. Fe Black August Festival. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm talking about 2002. Okay. And uh, in Sao Paulo, and I was just amazed, you know, to to see how powerful it was, hip hop, and 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 the way that they defend. Hip hop without uh, taking or trying to imitate anything from the United States, uh, anything that that you know from this movement that was born, you know, in in the states, they have like their own way to develop, uh, to improvise, to mix with their rhythms, to the bossa nova, to samba, to it was so you know it was uh, it just blew my mind. I was like, okay, of course, you know, we don't need to to try to imitate um, problems that we don't have, you know, music that is not our music. Of course, with all respect, of, you know, that we are taking elements from the hip-hop culture and we're bringing it to Cuba. And then it comes to my mind, we have forms of improvisation that, you know, older than all this movement. And it, it comes to my mind that they have this thing that is called controversy between them. And it comes to my mind how smart it was because it's like a competition. It's like a fight, like okay. a rooster fight. It's like a battle know, rap. Like a battle rap with improvisation uh, that you use the rhyme and rhythm all the time. But the curious, about, I was so curious about this. When you are in this competition where, where, with your opponents, you gather, you, you, you finish your improvisation and your opponent has to start her improvisation or their improvisation with the last two verses of 
my improvisation. No kidding. So it 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 won't give you any chance to bring to bring out any nothing that you already work right. Know, that All is, of your scripted stuff falls away. It's, it falls you, away. You're because, given the words by your opponent because your opponent is giving you what we call in Cuba el pie forzado, which is like a, the guide. It's like a uh, you take him from here. Wow. You know, it's like a like a guide. I say, wow, this is so amazing because that won't give you any chance to put together uh, in a script to, 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 you know, to, to, to be prepared. So right. it's, it's pure improvisation. It like you have happen. no chance to, to, to make up, you know, something at the moment. It's just that you have to be like a really fast and improvise for real. And it's about real communication, right? Cause exactly. like, and when you, we have this in our folk music too, it's like when you're kind of picking up a theme that someone else is laying down, then you have to actually engage with them. You're not just in your own world. You're on a stage with somebody. And the other thing is how, you know, how fun it was that they, uh, they will always use the sense of humor. They will use, um, they will be very mean at some point talking about your, how you look like or what is your... You're actually uh, looking at me while you say that. Yeah, I don't even want to know what's going through your head. I would, a lot, I would, I a lay, lot of things. I lay down that in actually defeat. Actually rhymes, but I won't do that to you neither. <laughs> oh, man. But the good uh, scene is like at the end, there's always, they always try to defend, you know, roots, poetry, and, and be deeper, you know, not just fooling around about how you look like or, how, or, or what is your culture, where are you coming from. So I study this, the controversy, I love it. I find out like this is a way to enrich our hip hop. This is a way to do a Cuban hip hop. And, and it comes to my mind another way of improvisation that we have in our culture. Uh, and it's the one that we have in Afro-Cuban religion, in Yoruba language. So you're, you're saying this controversy reminded you of something in Yoruba language? Yes, because... Also, in the Afro-Cuban religion, when a babalao, you know, a, a priest, or a madrina, which mm -hmm. is, you know, the female... The priestess, The yeah. priestess, uh, sadly. Uh, when you are in front of there, when you are asking for advice, you are asking for, you know, clarity in your path, and you are asking, it's like a oracle, mm -hmm. oracle. Yeah, it's like a prophecy. Sort of like a prophecy. And everybody will have a different way, and... And they will start to pray their, you know, their mojubas. It depends of what is the sign that it comes to the shells, which is the way of um, a divination that we right. use in African religion. All these words, all these prayers that they are doing, invoking good energy, healing through words and chants in Yoruba, it's for me another improvisation it's it's like a, it, for me it sounds like oh my god they're doing some they're doing rap in yoruba language this is what i'm listening right now and this is amazing and and this even that uh, there are words that they learn because of the ancestors will uh, you know they left a tradition and they left the knowledge to 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 them it depends of each person what is the energy they are bringing they will do this chance and they will do this improvisation in Yoruba. So wow. it comes to my mind with that and, and the and the bata drums and the and the you know the 
the drums, instruments, it comes to my mind. This is another way of, of, of improvisation. I discovered there, well, I'm more, you know, I'm more rhythm than melodic. And it's because I'm doing, I'm percutting with, with my voice. Right. I'm doing like a drums with my voice with words. And I'm doing that at the same time using poetry. So meaning we are mixing here different different manifestations of you know of yeah. music on of our cushion in one way so this is something different of what i'm really listening in hip-hop around the world so we have our own way to approach you guys have something to add to the global hip-hop culture exactly and this shit is like it is very textual which surprised me i i had a friend who was doing her santo here and she was telling me about the books like these secret books they kept when they weren't allowed to keep them it's, it To me, it, it sounded like the Torah or something, like where they have religious texts, and these are like words are very important to this religion. Exactly, and and the other thing is, you know, what this is a very I'm not expert or anything like that. If you can find more information in books, but it very there was something special that happened in Cuba. It's like in Africa, the religion keep evolving. Remember that we we received this uh, religion you know, from the slave that came to Cuba. They have to to actually hide this religion. It was forbidden for them. They have to do they, they had to do a syncretization, you know, with the with the Spanish and and Catholic saints in order to keep adoring right. adore adore adoring uh their their gods and right. goddess. What an amazing thing to just like pray at church but know that you're but playing and have you your way. Yeah, exactly. I, I have this song that is called The Power of the Ancestors that I tried to do in three minutes, like, a, you know, explain the syncretization. The no syncretism shit. And yeah, between. That's a, that's a complicated history. It's, it's yeah, a, it's very it's a, complicated. And I know it's not, uh, I mean, it's not, um, I know it's not full. You know, I didn't do, I mean, like for me, it's like, well, this is the light version. This <laughs> right. is not the full version because it's, it's going to take me more than you three minutes. go to the fucking library to get the full yeah, version. Yeah, you get, and you get to know more about, right. you know, how they did it. But but the beautiful thing about this is like uh, in Cuba, there is a reason why people come to Cuba and they receive, you know, the, 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 they receive here saints and they do this ceremony here. Because in Africa, this religion keep evolving. Mm. But here we just keep it and, and save it in a way that our ancestors, you know, right. transmit to us and yeah. in a way to keep it, you know, untouchable, in, in a way to, 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 to make it survive, you know, with all these years of colonism and, and all the what's been happening, even when, you know, with the, with the revolution that this religion was forbidden everybody will keep and, and try to save you yeah. know, the treasure of this religion. So that's why they, it's different because we, we have it like a, the old way. I mean, one of the things about watching somebody do their santo or you know the way that you talk about the Yoruba language and religion is like, it feels so ancient because it really is. You know? Because it is. It's, because like it a, is. it's like a time capsule. Um, I feel like we're on the wrong side of the door from our rum. <laughs> Hold on a second, okay. Judy, Judy busca el roncito porque se nos ha acabado. Nathan, tú eres como yo. 
You are a you are a fast drinker. I'm like you. You were like me. This is why we're together on this show. This is a drinking podcast, and we're drinking Ron Santiago. I mean, listen. This is. I don't know what you have still to do today. You maybe maybe you have many gigs and. Oh uh, no! I, I just have a kid, but uh, no worries. I'm super excited, super excited, super honored that you know that you that you want to have this conversation with me. You know, you know, we really appreciate and we love. You know. Uh, everything that you the way that you support uh Cuban music and and I'm very you know I'm very pleased to be to be part of this conversation right now with you so Damari. cheers come on salud, salud. <laughs> the honor is mine but let's let's start with that because when I met you you were already Telmari, like capital T, you know, like <laughs> a legend in this business I knew I knew you from the songs that you had done yourself you know, you have this very unique profile, but I'm interested in knowing how you got to that point. Like, how did you even start to think that this is what you would do with your life? Uh, well, I wanted to be a journalist because my mom uh, used to be a journalist. Uh, she passed away when I was like eight years old. Oh, and, man. That and must have been extremely difficult. Yeah, it, it was. It is. Uh, and we were actually... I, I was uh, with her, I was working. I mean, I was with her when she was working in Pinal del Rio and was the first gig that she has, not gig, but well. Yeah, I, as a journalist. As a journalist. Sure. The first gig that she has after her uh, her maternity leave from my sister. So my sister was nine months old and I was eight years old. And I was, I grew up uh, uh, all the time, you know, near to my mom. She was a single mother, uh, she, a single mom. When I was, you know, a little girl, and uh, I was, you know, I was used to be with her all the time. So for me, it was everything about communication. I was, you know, uh, I was trying to, you know, fall asleep, and I would listen to my mom in the writing machine, you know, typing, Just typing when the typewriter, the whole, the whole night, you know, doing her uh, documentary about what she was covered. Uh, so of course I, I wanted to be like her, and she introduced me to books, introduced me to the you know the the the, the charm of communication, and I grew up and I wanted to be like my mom, and uh, I discovered young enough how hard it is to be a journalist in Cuba, how the censorship you know could be very hard. I went to the to some test and I did it past because mm. it was not about your skills as a communicator. It was about political ideology, so many things at Are the same time. Are you thinking correctly? Exactly. As, yeah. And I was a rebel girl, of course. What an amazing test to fail, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. You win by losing. So uh, after studying, I studied at the Escuela learning, I studied a lot of physics, I was very good at science, and, but I was, I, I, I was in love with, you know, with history, with the language, and, uh, and I always write poetry because I read a lot, so I like to write a lot, and since my mom passed away, I was fully commit, committed to keep a diary mm. because I wanted, like, I was talking to her, I was Telling, I was trying to telling her everything that what I was doing every day because for me, if I write it, it would get 
you know. Where did you go to live? I mean, she, you said she was a single mom. She died when you were eight. You live yeah, with she, family she members? Married. She, she got married mm. again. She got my sister, and she passed away in, in this uh, car accident that I was with. I survived this car accident. She my passed goodness. away, and my sister was nine months old. So she started living with her father, and I have to start my living with my father and my stepmother, which was completely different scenario. My father worked, uh, used to work for the government. She was in these international missions. So she was with me until 11, and then she, he, he left. Uh, so I grew up very independent by myself in, at the boarding schools, you know. And all the time communicating with your mother. And, and all the time communicating with my mom through my diary. So I write every day as a, it was as a, like advice, you know, I got to write every day because I have to, everything, what I was doing, my impression, my concerns, everything. So I have a lot of, a lot of, and sometimes this writing, it, it was, you know, just poetry because I couldn't just do, uh, I didn't have time living at the same time to do, to, to narrate everything that I was doing. So I tried to synthesize all my experience and so I would do poetry. I'm, I'm telling you this because I assume that that's how, at some point, I decide to, you know, to take the microphone. I and it was in the and the at the end of the 20th century uh, that started the electronic music movement with DJ Joy Van, now DJ Joy de Cuba, but yes. at that point that DJ right. Joy Van, and we were part of this. Uh, electronic parties. I was kind of a promoter. I didn't know that I was doing that, but I was the one that was promoting every party because we didn't have cell phone. So we have to just spread the word, you know, and call to people to the landline mm -hmm. to let them know where is going to be the next party because these parties, they were kind of forbidden because it's this music. What is this music? They don't really like it. They honor the, you know, the, 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 the places that we have to do this party, they were they belong to the government, so they didn't like the you know the freedom of expression, the way that people you know wear clothes, get drunk, and get high, and and all that. So and this is Havana, late this is 90s. Havana. Yeah, we're talking about Havana. We're talking about Los Violines. We're talking about the Joker. Is different places around Linea, uh, Karachi Club. Places that they don't even exist at this moment. And, and in this late 90s, I was kind of the thermometer of the music through my friend Joy Van. So when he started to play like a, a lot of Prodigy or Chemical Brothers and people are not really connected yet with this, just few people, I went there and say, hey, dude, change that. You know, you need to, you know, cool, cool. Cool down a little bit, you know? You're the promoter. You need exactly. people to get excited you need people about there. this. I don't want people to, to, to leave the place because I want that this, you know, this place to be productive, that people, you know, get drinks and everything. So the owner, you know, the responsible for this place will hire again my, my friend. And and at one point he was so tired of me because I was giving giving him a hard time and he said, Hey, take the microphone. And express yourself. So I took the microphone, no hesitation, and I say, "Hey, do you agree with me that he should change the music right now?" And everybody was like, "Yeah!" It's like, "Oh my God, this is powerful!" I took the microphone, and I have to, and I can't express myself. So after that, he asked me every time that I went there, just in order to that I don't give him a hard time, he would give me the microphone and say, 
why you why don't you you know use you just narrate you do this spoken word you know thing with the things that you always writing in your little notebook he he noticed that i was always even when i was in the middle of the party i would go to his cabin this his cabin because it was i have more you know uh privacy right and i start to write and you would just take little notes about something something that came to your mind some and, and, experience and then i would go there because my purse is always with him because there was not nothing like a like a you know a you place. couldn't check it in somewhere you, you, right exactly. and it's it's uncomfortable to to be dancing with your purse or my my purse would be there and i would take it and he and, always knows you're writing yeah you're writing so one time he said what you don't well, what are you writing about you know take the microphone and express yourself and i remember he was listening to this you know we were listening at this moment to massive attack and this tricky and tree hub and everything and to be honest, I, I was more into this music, also into traditional music, because in my house, my brother would play guitar. He was a doctor. He was studying to be to become a, a, a doctor, but he was playing guitar. So we have this descarga all the time in my Wow, that's a real Cuban, house. like a, very, yeah, very a, cute. a doctor and descarga. Exactly. <laughs> that's and, a mix. and in my family, everybody will have one song that you have to sing. In, in, in a special, uh, the, you know, dates, in, you know, like at the, uh, the, the end of the year or the Mother's Day. or No kidding. Yeah, so everybody, my grandmother, my, my father, my stepmother, my uncle, my aunts, cousins, everybody will have to sing one song. What did you have to sing? I, I have to sing this song from Ania Linares that is called A Mi Manera. Because I have this contralto voice very similar to this a Cuban uh, diva at that moment. So, but it was more like an imitation. It, I was, uh, you know, I wasn't trying to actually sing. I was trying to imitate. This, trying to sound just uh, like yeah, her. Yeah, the sound. Because like your a, voice was in that register. Exactly, it was in that. So I tried to do that. So I listened to the, you know, to the old Trova from Santiago. I, I was listening to Cachao. I was listening to, to Silvio, Pablo, Noel Nicola. Pedro Luis Ferrer, all that at the same time that I was listening, like all the electronic music, I was listening to Cool and the Game, Prince, and Shina O'Connor, and so many different, you know, but I wasn't listening to hip-hop at this moment. You know, that was not, you know, my main uh, style. You know, what was your experience? Like, what was the first hip-hop that you remember really connecting to? I, I wow, well... To be connected, it would be like Fuji's and, you know, because it was, for me, smart way to do hip hop. Yeah. And also because I study, in, I, I learned a little bit of English since I was a little, you know, not a little kid, but since I was a teenager. So I understood more or less some of the bad words. So when I listened to that hip hop at this moment, I found that like it was very bad to women, was very abusive was very, they use a lot of, you know, bad words and slang and they denigrate women so hard that I wasn't interested. And I remember being, you know, joking about that with my friends, like, a, yeah, to my to my girlfriends, I said, if you will understand what that's oh, talking man. about, you won't repeat what they're saying. Yeah. So uh, because of that, I always say that I feel that I owe to the hip hop movement that I use this, you know, my way of communication, but at the same time, I didn't try to follow 
any model. I didn't try to follow. I didn't have like a, an idol mm. in the hip hop scene, you know? Right. I was more into tree hop and, you know, and tricky and I don't know, and, and, and even, I don't know, Alanis Morissette and I don't know, right. so many influence, and, but and not you exactly. Were, you were already doing this for a while when Lauren Hill came around, but she. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but she, she was the combine. first one. Yeah, mm. I, she was the first one that I really connect with. Oh, let me say that because I didn't study, I didn't become a journalist or a lawyer. That was what my father wanted from me. I, I started to have problems in my house because I wanted to go to these parties and I was not working. I, I took. How old these, were you then? I uh, was 16, 17, a great 18. Age. When I, when great I, age to have problems in your house. Yeah. So 18, I decided I can't stand, you know, this situation anymore. And I moved out from my house and I started to live in, a, in my aunt uh, Priscilla. Uh, house she was living with her husband so this apartment was empty and was in the middle of Centro Habana La Caliente Colón this very on fire neighborhood La Caliente still La Caliente man La Caliente and then I I feel you know freedom to actually you know trying to find what am I gonna do in my life at some at that point I was uh, I, I was already I took some you know studies of script some theater nothing i mean that was the closest that i was to music i to be honest i never thought because i have this you know contractor voice that for me like i don't have like and you know an upper register to to go and so for me no music was not i didn't know that it would that that would be you know my my path my way of communication I just knew that moment that when I took a microphone, it was an instrument of power. And that was my goal was to communicate. So I took it from there. So this, this DJ Lester, two, two uh, animators, cartoon animators, they have this hip hop um, project that they call it Bajo Calle, like on the ground. I okay. remember we, we make jokes about that, like, oh, yeah, with that name, you're going to keep on the Bajo Calle, on the ground. You're not going to. This is a full underground. It's, still like a, yeah. it's self-fulfilling prophecy. But, yeah, yeah, but they, they were doing that as a hobby. They were mm. cartoon animators. They, sp- they spent eight years, you know, doing, anim- you know, animation in paper, writing every paper, no wow. computer, wow. every day. You know yeah. what I'm talking about? Like, yeah. that is. That's obsessive. Okay. That's very. And they have this passion about music and hip hop, especially. And they approach this DJ Lester. They say, "I want you to 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 do a ba- you know, a background like a, a beat for us." And Lester didn't know how to do that, so he called a friend of him that he was a musician. He, he is a musician, amazing, a violin and piano player, Osvaldo. And that's how he starts. He 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 did this. The first beat, uh, I w- that it was a version of A Caballo Vamos Pa Monte. A Caballo Vamos Pa Monte, A Caballo Vamos Pa Monte, A Caballo Vamos. With a different beat, with the house beat, and he did it like a remix. And at that moment, I was living at Lester, at Lester Martinez house, uh, because I started to look for a place to, you know, 
to be uh, outside of your to aunt's be house. outside of I, I was asking this favor to my aunt but it, it's not gonna last forever i gotta grow up you know be independent so say so i start to pay rent to him i remember at that moment that i was doing you know artisan i was doing necklace and, and and things with my hands and beads really you know to just selling just them selling them on the on the different fairs and and making money to pay for my rent and uh, and i was there and i always like you know english language and all the 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 games that you can do with Hispa- with spanish because we have so many words from english incorporated to our language and he played the, the beat, they, they love it. And at some point I say, oh, in this part, it should be something English. Like, what do you go so down? Is there Creole just dancing with you in? You can't control your body because it's more than what are you waiting for? Doesn't make any sense. It just sounds cool. And they were like, oh my God, we love it. You should do that in the sun. I say, no way, no. This, <laughs> and just... And you were you. just thinking off the top of your head, like, I want to mix some English some with this beat in this style. That's it. But, but I was outside of this conversation. I was there just because I was living at that, at that moment with Lester. And I just suggest, oh, you should, this, this, this could be cool. And they were like, oh, we love it. Actually, we will love that voice, you know, that contralto voice. I say, what are you talking about? I don't have, you know, a, a good voice. Or, oh, no, no, no. That's so sexy. We love it. You should do that. And that day... You know, Freehold Negro was born. Uh, this is Freehold Negro was very funny because we were in the middle of the special period. We were trying to find a name for the project. We were so starving. You know, Lester, Lester's mom was cooking some black beans at the back in the kitchen, and we were just knocked out by the smell of the black beans. That's crazy. And right. then, special and, period, like the economy's in the dumpster, no food. Everybody's just trying to get by. Somebody starts cooking black beans in the kitchen. Black beans that was like the the main protein of our diet because we don't have any protein. So we have vegetal protein that was like the main. That's it. So that that, that day, you you know, you will eat black beans, you know, white rice and and some, you know, uh, potato or... Or sweet potato, or you know, or plantain, or but, but there's no there's no any meat or fish or eggs or anything. So it had it, it had colonized your mind so much. Just exactly. The so I, we were just joking and say we should call it black beans. And there was like a, yeah, but not not just black beans. Let's say it in English, free, whole, negro. So it sounds in Spanish like a free whole, but in English was like a free. Whole and and like a black beans, free whole negro. So we were talking about, I mean, and it sounds kind of, you know, not funny when you think about it at the beginning. But we were thinking at that we were so romantic, and we were thinking at the moment that we were mentioning the black holes out of the space that oh, attract yeah. energy. Yes, because that's what we wanted to that's- attract energy through music. People that didn't study music, but we know what kind of music, you know, we can share at that moment. That's an amazing young person gymnastics <laughs> to just be like, but no, it's also a black hole and we're attracting energy, but it's pretty whole negro. And it's, and yeah, so that's amazing. The confidence, the, 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 the belief in it is really what carried it through, right? I mean, exactly. it became this huge so, thing. Nothing. 1999. We create Frijol Negro project. It was also an 
audiovisual projects because these guys, they were, you know, cartoon animators. So the idea was like uh, all the audiovisuals, we would do it you know, with cartoons and animation. And that's how we just developed this project that it has rap as a way of, of communication, but at the same time, we, we were not following the, the rules of the hip hop movement in Havana at that moment. And this is very, you know, the, this is very funny too. We were in the special period. The musicians didn't have any gigs. They didn't have any place where to, to play. We, 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 we were friends of amazing and talented musicians. They have no gigs or nothing. And at that moment, it was pretty hard to get beats. Actually, what the hip hop movement would do at that moment, they would take American you know, beats, American songs from, I don't know, Dr. Dream, uh, Snoop Dogg and uh, DMX, and they would take the backgrounds, they put the voices down, and they will rap on top of that. For me, that was no possible. Right. Like, we are doing, this is plagio. It doesn't right. matter the you know the it doesn't matter the embargo. It doesn't matter if you get you're gonna get you know sue, but this this is not right. So we just uh, especially Lester, he said, okay, why we don't play with you know with musicians? Right. Why we don't play? Why we don't play live music? Right. Why I mean, we are trying to following to, to you know to look for someone who do beats? Yeah. If we can get actually real musicians doing our music. They will enrich the music because they will bring, you know, new concepts, right. new sonority. And I remember I lived here in 99 and Cuba had beans and sugar and musicians. I mean, that's it. it. Incredible musicians on every corner, underemployed, like you said. Exactly. Doing like, a, you know, like a, what we call here sopa, you mm -hmm. know, traditional music in holding in all Havana, in Central Havana, trying to, you know, to get spurs on. Just doing some soup? So, exactly, soup. That's what we call it. So that's how Frijol Negro at the same time, that was very revolutionary project at the moment. It got really, really um, criticized by the hip hop movement because first we complicate the, the production of the festivals because... This is not a DJ playing just some beats. We are we are bringing drums, trumpet, you know, bass, percussion, guitars, piano. So they didn't like that. And at the same time, we were doing version of uh, the Buena Vista Social Club that was at this moment, you know, getting famous. And we were doing like A Caballo Vamos Pa Monte. We were doing like a version of Bam Bam. We were trying to do something that it sounds more Cuban, right. not just to do like a we want you know to have these elements. It's not just the staging or the musicians, but you're actually complicating their vision of like where good music comes from and like what they appreciate and and how to how to put that in front of the public. I could I could see why they would be threatened. Exactly. So they they didn't like it, and that was one of the reasons. But the main reason was that. It was a woman at the face of this band. She's not doing backing vocals. She's not dancing. She's doing, you know, she's doing her rap. She's writing her lyrics. She's, you know, right there in front of everybody. I was very rebel, very strong, but I always 
try to to keep my femininity at the same time, but with the aggressivity, you know, at the the aggressive, the aggression, yeah. That the the you know that that the times deserve because of course we were doing this underground journalism at that moment. We were the real journalists of Cuba at this moment, and that's what the hip hop movement became, uh, uh, you know, around those years. You know, the only the only you know persons that actually talks about the reality of Cuba. You know, what what was it about you that that where you didn't care or maybe you fed off of that energy that people didn't want you up there in front? Like, why do you like where does that 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 source of strength come from for you? First, you know, I was used to receive that macho mentality treatment because I was a woman. Second, because I always follow my guts and it's when I believe in something, I just follow my dream. I don't care about what people would tell me. I always like to be also different, controversial, because I was like that my entire life. And uh, It's like fitting in was not an option for you anyway. Yeah, no, it's like... And, you know, for the other hand, um, I felt all the time that when I was surrounded by musicians, I was learning, I was growing. And at some point, and this is something that I owe to Interactivo in 2002, that I was part of this collective that Roberto Carcasses, he collaborated with us in, in Frijol Negro. He was a good friend. He's a good friend of Lester Martinez and he decided to do, you know, to put together this project and he would call me and I feel so, you know, blessed that he, you know, he thought about me. And at that point, with Interactivo, I was already listening to a lot of jazz, and I was this, you know, of course, Miles Davis and Coltrane and, and Matthew Parker and Charlie and, you know, all the... And my favorite diva for all times was Nina Simone, oh, yeah. which she was very, you know, different and, and the way that I'm very conscious and, and so you know, so rich, in, you know, in music and she was a piano player and she has this anger. So she will, she will inspire me so much. And, and, and I say, okay, this is what I'm going to represent in Interactivo. Poetry, improvising with another musicians. And, and to be honest, we were like, a, you know, amateur as a band until we record this, the first Interactivo album that is called Goza Pepillo. And this was such a, Oh my God, it was like a boom, it, you know, for, for, for that generation at that time. Like all the mix of these musicians, everybody will have their own career and we just, you know, gathered together and make some music. It was Yusa doing the funky and the, and the, and the, all the soul part and Francis Del Rio doing the rumba and then William Vivanco with the troubadour, like this charming troubadour and, you know, and Juglar from, from Santiago de Cuba with all the Caribbean influence and then me with the hip hop and in the arrangement and Julito Padron and all that just boom, explode with this album. And Cuba Disco is like the, the you know, the higher recognition in music uh, in Cuba. It's, you know, the, the equivalent of the Grammy. And this album, the first interactive album, it you know, this album won the big prize it was not just in one category no wow. it won the big prize of cuba disco and then everything was like a, oh my god what we did and that gave us the opportunity to have our our own 
uh, a structure as a man in an enterprise in Cuba that we didn't have at that moment. Mm. That gave us the opportunity that, that everybody will have the opportunity to record their own album. So suddenly you kind of came in from the outside and were able to see yourselves as musicians that could survive in Cuba. Exactly. Um, well, tell me now, I mean, this, there's a lot of years in between, but your your sound has continued to evolve. And you, you just said that you were you were in studio, you're recording your next album. What What is that based on? Where do you think you've come since since those Interactivo times? Well, the thing is for me is Interactivo times is, is not over yet. I, I mean... I'm still collaborating with Interactivo. It's, I'm still right. inviting musicians from Interactivo. I just recorded a song with Yusa and Omar Portuondo. I performed last Monday with Interactivo and Roberto. Of course, what's happened is that after this this album, the first album, I was the only one of the mm, that generation that uh, I didn't have my own album. So the next step was I record my first album, A Diario, which is like a crazy project of 15 songs and 50 musicians, which is crazy. Wow. But it was a compilation of, the, of, uh, of all the years, like from, 90, from 1999 to 2005. All so the ideas six years in your book, in all, my book, all everything of, that yeah. that that it, that it could became a song, it became a song. Every musician you ever met was going to play on that album. Met, it would be there, like <laughs> no. Sure. I mean, I didn't care about how much it cost or anything. I just want to really tell the story of my evolution until that moment, you know, to reach my first album, and and because of that, Roberto Carcasses was. And Yusa, they were, you know, the, the, produ the, the producers of my first album. And what's happened is that after that, I have my album. I perform at Carlos Mar because of Interactivo. And I was like, and now what? And then it, it has this, you know, feeling inside of me. I want to go out. I want to take my music outside of, the, of, of, of Cuba. I want to bring Cuba outside of the world. I want to see what's happening in the world. And, I'm, and I want to bring it back to Cuba. And I was reaching for a place, and at some mo moment, I just land in Canada, this cold place that I, I owe a lot at the same time. Because I didn't want to stay in a place that it was full of politics, you know, ideas and, and, and behaviors and attitudes. I just want to be a place where I can survive as an immigrant because I knew how hard it was before I decided to, to live outside. You would heard from people. This is like, of course yeah. I have like a, you know, first impression, friends around me, yeah. you know, uh, you know, lovers that they split beautiful love history that didn't survive. And I didn't want that. So, mm. uh, I travel at that, at that moment. I, I was in Brazil. I was in Japan. I traveled to Spain. I traveled to Colombia. So, some point I reach every continent. You had a good idea of your options out there, and exactly. And I knew how it was to go to Miami. I had some family there. At the same time, I have family here. My sister was a swimmer at the national team. At, at that moment, they were very strict about you taking a, a you know a position or, or making a decision. I said, well, if I were, if I decide to go to the states. My sister, yeah. I hear my sister. My sister won't be able to compete outside of Cuba just because I'm, yeah, I'm living outside of Cuba. My father worked his entire life at, at, at the main wrecks, you know. 
That's so, the ministry of... He, yeah, he was an ambassador in Libya, in Iraq, well, during the conflict between Iraq and Iran. It's, it's the ministry of foreign relationships. So when, he, when you go outside back in those days, especially, you would affect all of their careers and their lives. So you had to think hard about it. Exactly. You were in Toronto? I was in Toronto. I was yeah. in Toronto. And at the same time, you know, it was beautiful also to be there, to look around, to sit down in the restaurant, looking around and see, yo, wow, that's from India. This one is from Japan. Or this person is from Venezuela. And this one. And, and just by the accent, I would try to discover. It was like my secret game with a friend of mine, like trying to discover wh what is he's from, what... And, you know, and to be part of, of that and, and to learn about what is to live outside of Cuba, because Cuba is such a surrealistic place. My God, like you have no idea how it is to actually live outside of Cuba and, and understand everything. When I left Cuba, I didn't know how to work in an ATM. We didn't have that at that moment. And. I don't know. It was. It, it was. It's a big uh, learning curve. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it was. Did you ever record albums in Canada? Well, funny question. So after being in Canada seven years, uh, like around years year number five in Canada, um, I decided to do a new album, and and I said, okay, I have these songs, and I want to go to Cuba because I want to put it together in Cuba, because I knew I need that. I arrived like a year number six, and when I arrived here, oh my God, I took all the songs that I wrote in Canada and I throw it to the garbage. No kidding. Oh my God, I was Why? because I was so sad and depressed and so negative and and I was like a blue woman, like doing boleros, like I was like a sixty year old girl, or something like that. That that's that that is a way to explain how hard it was for me to adapt to being, you know, to live outside of Cuba. I feel like a, my muse just got sad and I couldn't save her, save her for that. And so you didn't realize when you were making these no. songs in Canada. for me, because that's part of what that's I'm... That's what you were feeling. That's what, who that's you were. That's what I'm feeling. So I respect what I'm feeling. I, and, mm. I, and I, you know, I commit with my feelings. So I arrive yeah. to Cuba and I say, oh my God, <laughs> this is not money. This is not me. This is not... Man. This is not what I learned also, you know, from, from, from Canada. Seasonal affective disorder. Seasonal affective disorder is terrible. No, no, yeah, it yeah. is. So I was like, no. Even that, that I feel that way, I learned a lot from Canada. And one of the things that I learned is how Cuba I am. So how is possible that I'm not able to, to put that in songs right now? So I came to Havana. I just went to, to Michael Barzaga's studio. So Libre took seven years. Why Libre? What, what, what were you free from? It's about the emotion. You know, it's about the, the feeling that I felt free at that moment. Especially because I, I think also because, you know, because I, I put aside those songs that I, that I write in Canada and I arrived to Cuba and it was like, a, <laughs> look, it's supposed for so many people, freedom is supposed to be what you... Uh, what you get or what you accomplish when you are outside of Cuba. And I found my freedom coming back to Cuba is when I found my inspiration and my way, you know, my authentic way of communication of what I'm feeling. I throw away everything that I was writing for almost six years. And then the, the magic, you know, I came to Cuba. I first time that I went to Interactivo Concert at Beto Brecht and I saw the audience and they will know all my songs from Adiario. 
they will sing every single rap, even oh, the fastest one, you know, that's even for me are, are pretty hard to remember sometimes. It, it just really, you know. I remember that spot. Bertolt Brex is a really sweet spot. I yeah, can imagine. I, I, like, I love it. Must yeah. have been like home cooking to come back there and have the audience singing your music back it, to you. Could you imagine that? So after that, I was like, and then my baby was born. I was struggling because I have no family in Canada. My sister was here. She was, you know, she was now like a, like a young lady, very strong and beautiful and she say i don't want to miss you know my niece stay here you see you have a career people love you what are you doing you know you don't belong to canada you are so warm person what are you and you're always complaining <laughs> yeah because you know she she gotta stand all my depression and all my yeah. calls like uh, you know i miss you i miss you i can i can i can And I've been always her, you know, her support, you know, like I always, you, you can, you can, you can. And suddenly I'm, I'm this negative person, sad person that she didn't recognize. And I said, I don't want you like that. That's not you. You don't, you don't belong to there. Please come back here. You have a future here. You will always have a future in Cuba. And for me, it was like, I was thinking, oh my God, she's telling me all these beautiful spirit of the things. And I'm thinking about diapers and food and formula, how I'm going to provide that for my baby. What year was that when you came back to Cuba? I came back to Cuba in 2013. My baby was nine months old, the first time that I came. But since that time, I decided I'm going to come back. And then I went there for one month doing paperwork, this, then that, you know, organizing things. And then... Uh, The whole, I mean, 2014, I create Havana Sana as a band. You know, I was, I came back uh, in 2014, Libre was, you know, won the Cuba Disco Award. It, it would give me strength and power to It's actually. amazing. Congratulations. You know, yeah. For to, a second album, right? Which is so Yeah, dangerous. for the second album. So right. for me, that was like, oh, oh my God, like, I couldn't believe it. And And, and, and Libre was, uh, it has a very warm, you know, welcome in Cuba. Like people really like the idea. This album also brings uh, the Yoruba influence as a form of communication and improvisation. It was like the, the, how you say, the conductor. The, mm. We say like what, what it uh, uh, connects every sound. Mm -hmm. I was telling a story about, you know, through uh, Patakis, which is the, the stories of the saints in Afro-Cuban religion. It was beautiful. It was beautiful the way that, you know, that Cuba welcomed this, this album. Yeah. They, they knew, they knew that I was nervous about it because yeah. I'm very, you know, up there. Like I didn't try to hide it, you know. I, I don't care if I want a Cuba disco. What is important for me is the audience, the people, you know, people who would stop right. me on the street because we don't, we don't, we don't live a life of, Luxury, I don't have a fancy car or a fancy house, you know. I gotta go and take the same transportation that everybody, I gotta go to the same agro market to buy for my food and everything. So it's the, the communication will, feedback is on the street and exactly. from the people. People will stop you and tell you, oh, you know what? I didn't like that sound that you, what, are you, what were you thinking about it? Why you don't, why you don't write about this and this and this that is important? Are you sure you missed Cuba? You yeah, of course. Here. You know, I have my, my, my critics. 
you know, but they were all around the, the, the island. What is, what is the feeling that you're having in, with the tracks now and kind of in studio? Like, what, is there anything that feels new to you in terms of the style or what's energizing you? I feel like I'm, I'm singing a little bit more. I'm not singing, but I'm doing a combination of singing and, and rap at the same time. Oh, I'm you're, feeling that I want... You're taking your deep voice out for a walk? You're yeah. feeling good about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Um, I, I like that. And then I have this uh, Pedrito Martinez, which is an amazing musician. He's yeah. based in New York. Amazing. I, I, I have gotten to see him at uh, Guantanamera, I think it's the oh. bar in, in uh, Hell's Kitchen. So he he's part of Pedrito I I invite him yeah amazing. he's amazing amazing and we got an amazing connection through our roots and 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 our ancestors so I invite him, I invite him to one song and he and then I play like another songs from my album and he fall in love with another one he say I want to record in that one too I will do it for free don't doesn't matter you don't have to pay me say, hey no it's not about that it's like a, I have plans for that so I don't care you're gonna <laughs> love what I'm playing right now for you and then cancel he, your plans yeah he's like Bet so he played the, he, he played the battle drums and he put some vocals on it and now I love really love that song too it's interesting talking about these eras when you had started in the at the end of the special period and now you know where we're at in 2020 in Havana it, is it possible for a musician to come up the way that you did like is there still that independent energy is there still enough creativity i don't know like i'm i don't really have a good sense of the the moment right now in cuban music where do you see it well what i i mean honestly what i see is like this is a time that cuban musicians decide just go back and forth so Musicians that if you want to reach them, you got to go to the places that they decide to leave or emigrate at this moment now. They want to be part of what's happening in Cuba, so they will be in Cuba at some point along the year. You know, it doesn't matter if it's at the jazz festival or the cinema festival or Cuba disco or salsa festival. It doesn't matter. You will find a way that they will visit. And also because they have their family here. So it's kind of like a Pedrito thing, like amazing energy, but a definite New York dude. Exactly. So Mm. he will bring to you his experience and what he learned in his in his traveling, you know, in his in his path in in New York, so he's bringing something fresh, and at the same time you are giving to him something that is happening in Cuba that he won't have the time to 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 see or to feel if he's here for just one week. So I think this re, you know this retroalimentation right now of Cuban musicians who know each other is of course I'm not talking about something that is on the air. It's something that you. You create, you, you create, uh, you create a bond with a musician along the years. Because if I go to New York, I'm, I'm going to New York to perform. I don't know with Doctor John. That was another beautiful part of my of my career, collaborating with him in this in the tribute to Lisa Armstrong for five years, traveling around the world in the beautiful and amazing festivals and scenarios. And then, you know, I I, I went to New York and it's like a, I'm not I know I'm I'm there for a gig, but I'm not there and, and and going to touristic places. I'm going there to check on music, and the first thing the first thing that I want to check is not just you know the greatest American musicians. I want to check the Cuban musicians and see what they're doing in these years that that they are away from home. What, 
what, how you sound, man. I want I want to listen. How how is your, you know, how how's your sound? I just uh, I just want to check check on you. What is your project? What amazing and, and and that's and I do I'm saying I'm 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 setting the sample of New York, but I'm telling you about Spain and Mastodon and Colombia, and you will see how how Cuban music grows, you know, and play with different musicians that are not always a Cuban ensemble, but different musicians from different places. And it's still super interesting the way that they create a bond and they, uh, you know, uh, enjoy and travel through music. And, and it's beautiful even both ways. Sometimes you find a musician that is completely, you know, outside of, the, of his comfort area of being Cuban, And it's playing like a, you know, with a, like a super top, you know, jazz musicians. Right. Like, I don't know, like Daphne, like Francisco Mela, especially drummers, because I'm a huge fan of percussion and drummers. Uh, because, like I say, I like to be, you know, to percute. It's what you're doing with your voice. It's yeah, what yeah. I'm doing with my voice. So for me, like, oof. So even if they're out in, in the world doing music that's not especially Cuba and you're still checking in and yeah, just I'm saying, stitch, like, of course. yeah I'm checking in because at some point I'm gonna feed the I'm gonna feed the clave pra, 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 and it's gonna be like oh, oh that cures me you know it cures my heart and, uh, and and it's I think that's you know that's my that's my trip that's my traveling you know taking cue outside of of taking cue outside of Cuba and also learning about what's going on in music around the world and bringing back to Cuba because if everybody just decided to go and, and didn't, you know, and not coming back, I feel like we are lost in part of our generation, you know, we are lost in important part of the, of the, uh, of the music uh, of this uh, generation. So I don't know, for some reason I took, uh, you know, the best I can, of course, that responsibility the best I can. That's amazing. I think that's a good place to leave it because it's such a positive vision of what Cuba can be and is now. It's it's worldwide. There we are. Exactly. And then sometimes it comes back home and feels the clave. <laughs> Delmari, what a pleasure to have you come and sit and oh, so you know, mine. in these little moments we've gotten to have conversations. I've always I've always known there's a lot there and now I know. Thank you for sharing it. No, it's my pleasure, Nathan. Welcome to Havana, eh? You know, Cuba love you, man. You know. <laughs> This you know, is a know. very mutual love thing we got going on. <laughs> it's both directions. It's coming and going. All right, Delmari, let's uh, let's have another bit of rum and head out into the night. Yes. <laughs> the trip from Roads and Kingdoms is hosted by me, Nathan Thornburg. Alexa Van Sickle is our online editor. Theme music by Dan the Automator. Episode illustration by Daisy D. Show artwork by Adele Rodriguez. Executive producers are me and Matt Goulding, also of Roads and Kingdoms. Thank you to Telmari for this episode, to Judith for getting more rum, and to editor Alexa Van Sickle for coming to Cuba to help me drink it. Next up on this show, back to Iraqi Kurdistan, as we continue rolling out previously paywalled episodes in our public feed. That will be Thursday, November 5th. Sangar Khalil will be the guest We will talk about what makes him one of the best wartime fixers and Kurdish journalists working today. We will meet you there. <laughs>